welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you, Sammy. You're for, welcome. Uh, You're welcome, Gabe. Leading us in today, we are going to be going back to 1987, a year that we can't seem to escape. Can't get enough of 1987. It just keeps dragging us back in. But you know what? It's a fantastic year. This is one of my favorite years in cinema. Uh, Running Man came out in yep. 1987. Uh, RoboCop came out in 1987. So those are, I mean, that's enough. Platoon? They, they, they could have closed the books after those. And then you bring up Platoon. Yeah, baby. Yeah. So uh, it was a, a huge year all across the board. Uh, what what was something that that jumped out at you when researching today? Uh, just I mean, as far as movies are concerned, well, just the year. Um, well, lots of stuff. Oh, it was the year that uh, Baby Jessica fell down the well. That's something I had down. Yep, Baby Jessica fell down a well in Texas. Dude, kids be falling down wells. I I was re I was reading about that today, and I was just getting so terrified. Um, of just how awful that was. Do you like, have kids? No. Oh. I mean, I was a kid when it happened. I was too. <laughs> yeah, and then sometimes adults uh, fall down wells, or rather mine shafts, like the Chilean miners. Right. Which <laughs> yeah, would be, miners typically fall down mine shafts. <laughs> which would be the PG-13 version of the baby Jessica story. There's <laughs> a bunch of grown men down that hole. Yeah. Um, and you may have heard a third voice on mic today, and that's because we're joined in studio here in a secret location in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, <laughs> by our very good friend, local Brooklyn comedian, Melissa Rocha. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Welcome yeah. to the Eat, Pray, Judge Bunker. <laughs> <laughs> on the second floor of a building. Right. It's a podcast escape room. That's right. So try to find your way out of this room after we're done with our... Uh, hour-long podcast today, and we've got you on to talk about one of um, a movie that I've seen before and that you recommended, uh, La Bamba. Yeah, La Bamba. Which I'm really excited that we're going to be covering today. But you know, everybody out there in podcast land, uh, you know, hold your horses because we've still got to talk about the year a little bit more before yeah. we get into mm -hmm. the the meat of this podcast, which is the actual film. So um, true. 1987. Yeah. George Michael was asking people uh, to maintain their faith. <laughs> all wearing super tight jeans and playing a guitar that he wasn't really playing. You know what he was really into? I think I, I remember George Michael as having the in incredibly well-groomed uh, beard. Mm -hmm. Just the two-day stumble yeah. all the time, which you need a, an electric razor for. You can't do that with just scissors. He looked like a well-coiffed. You know those uh, two Mexican twins that were the, the wolf boys that just had facial hair that covered their entire faces? Whoa. Is this from uh, like the <laughs> National Enquirer, like Bat Boy? No, they were what based is, off of two real circus acts, but they were like wolf wolf boys. I'm gonna have to if this is from. Wait, is that not real? Sad, <laughs> this sounds like a sad freak show, uh, like anecdote that you're telling me about. Because he had those those canine teeth. Those twins, I think, were real. And they were children. They were children. With, yeah, I think or you know, okay, adolescents at least. Um, so George Michael asking you to have faith. Yeah, and he wore jeans that were constantly looked like they were falling apart. That's people, true. People love the jeans with the with the uh, holes and the tears in them, but while still maintaining a very tight buttocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the Bengals were asking us to walk like an Egyptian, whatever that means. Well, I don't know. Is that cultural appropriation, or, or were they sort of themselves projecting a, a specific type of walk on the national and ethnic group that is the Egyptians? That's a really good question. Yeah, I don't know if you could have that <laughs> song today in 2019. It feels really problematic. Yeah. Right. They could follow it up with "Walk Like a Libyan." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which also would have been very topical given the time frame. Yes, 
Um, uh, there's anarchy <laughs> happening in Libya right now. There's also <laughs> open uh, slave auctions being held. So, you know, um, hey, Libya, yeah. <laughs> they need our help, guys. Um, I was alive in 1987. I was a kid. Oh, you were so alive. I was eight years old. And Probably was, more alive than you've ever been. I, I think I, I was full of vim and uh, vigor, and I would watch TV. And one of my favorite commercials on TV in 1987 was of a guy in a black turtleneck screaming Zelda at the screen. Zelda. And he was constantly oh. looking around for Zelda. And we were like, who is Zelda? And it was the first ad for Legend of Zelda, which came out that year on the Nintendo. Hmm. Well, this is true. Yeah. Bud Dwyer blew his brains out. <laughs> oh, man. On yeah. uh, television. And this was before people had TiVo or any sort of delay on the TV. So everybody watching television at that moment in time saw the uh, state treasurer, Bud Dwyer, for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania shoot himself at a press conference. Oh, he was a state treasurer? I thought he was just like a city councilman in like some small district. I didn't realize it was that he was that, that high up. Was yeah. he? Did he get like arrested for something? Was he like in trouble, like for fraud or something? Uh, he'd been found guilty on charges of bribery, fraud, conspiracy, and racketeering, and he was gonna he was gonna clear his name uh, on TV or at least make a public statement. And he, he looks totally calm and normal. And then, right in the middle of it, he just pulls out a gun and shoots himself in the mouth. And this was like one of those, you know, pre oh my four chan uh, sort of like VHS tape things that would be passed around yeah there was yeah. no viral video or subreddit dedicated to this I, I don't i as a kid i don't remember hearing about it but i feel like they buried it or it was probably kept away from me somehow because i was a child but i don't remember hearing of it when it happened i think youtube was the, the first time i ever saw that <laughs> you uh, know uh, i think uh, I, I remember mark nor uh, not mark i'm sorry uh norm mcdonald <laughs> making a bunch of uh, bud dwyer jokes really and that was the first time i think i think norm mcdonald referencing him was the reason that i looked it up oh okay like, oh snap it's pretty terrifying okay. to watch yeah he just asks the, some woman to stop talking for a second and then just pulls out a gun and mm -hmm. shoots himself in the head he's like can camera. i have can i have the floor right now thank yeah. you I mean, who knows why they were filming the city council meeting or the uh, state council meeting in the first place, but... Well, um... What else, uh, what else happened in 87? There was a really big uh, plane crash that was a big deal. It was a PSA flight 1771 crashed over Paso Robles, California. Oh. And here's the thing about that plane crash. There were 43 people on board, but uh, the reason that it crashed was because this guy... Uh, he got in a fight with his supervisor on the plane, pulled out a gun, shot his supervisor, and then went up and shot the pilot and the co-pilot. And that's why the plane went down. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. But can you believe that people were allowed to bring guns on planes <laughs> at this point? And not even any carry-ons, too. This wasn't like something that the, he packed. It was just like in his, a satchel. Yeah. Now you can't bring three ounces of liquid. <laughs> yeah, my, how times have changed. They went through my tortillas at the airport. They did? Yeah. They were like, open that up. Like, let me look at your food. And I brought tortilla, like flour tortillas from California. And like uh, at TSA, they're like, what is this? You know, and I had to open it up and show them. They're just, it's. That's crazy. It's the flattest food. There's, you can't hide anything in this. <laughs> I honestly can't think of a better segue than a plane crash <laughs> and tortilla searches uh, thematically for what we're about to cover. Um, 1987's La Bamba. That is correct. Thank you, La Bamba, <laughs> which was uh, written and directed by Luis Valdez. 
and uh, he was a major playwright uh, and a member of the Chicano movement. He was the founder of the Teatro de los Campesinos. So getting him on board to make this movie, that was a big deal. Uh, La Bamba, I saw it um, when it came out. Mm. I saw it in the theater as a little kid, and it blew me away. But after I only saw it once, and then after that, though, my parents got a record of La Bamba, and we still had a record player. So I would play the soundtrack over and over and over again and dance to uh, La Bamba and uh, Donna in the, in the living room with yeah. my Aunt Sally. Uh-huh. <laughs> like every elementary school kid loved that song. Yeah. I sure did. Yeah. I didn't know that it was like a, a, a Mexican folk song. I had no idea. I thought that was like an original Richie Valens, yeah. uh, Richie Valenzuela record. Was this your first time seeing it? No, I'd actually seen it before many, 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 many years ago. Wow. Um, I remember it was just, it, yeah, it was... Uh, it resonated, and it was just—it's a sad, it's a sad film. It's a bit of a sad tale. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't end well. No. So, uh, <laughs> Melissa, how about you? What was your what was your first encounter with uh, La Bamba? Um, well, I picked it because it's the movie that I've probably seen the most. Like, I, I've probably seen this movie in parts or in whole, like at least thirty or forty times. I can't remember, but it's definitely a movie that I've. I feel like there was a time it was showing like on TNT or TBS, you know, just every weekend and just, um, I don't think we had a VHS of it, um, but I remember watching it because like my dad, uh, he's, he plays music and, you know, there are not that many movies that are about like at the time when I was five mm-hmm. um, with brown people in them. So just kind of by default, it became one of my favorite movies because there's so few. Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, it was a fun movie. I mean, for a while (laughs) until it gets really sad. (laughs) Um, but there are actually so many parts of it that just like, you know, uh, like all of the family stuff reminded me of my family. Um, like how, uh, Bob and Rosie are always fighting, but they're still together somehow. And I'm like, mom and dad, this is you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my, my dad isn't like as violent as Bob, but he doesn't wear a leather jacket and ride a Harley motorcycle. (laughs) No, he doesn't. I bet bet your dad was a better actor than Bob though. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'm going to fire shots. It was a little ridiculous. Hot takes. We'll get into that one. Oh man. (laughs) Um, So this actually is probably one of the smallest budget films we've covered. I, I know that's saying a lot. Especially yeah. of our recent uh, cachet, but five million dollars to make this film—small, small, small budget. Yeah, um, a couple of things. So obviously, you guys had seen it. You saw it in the theater when you were young. Um, or you were not old enough at that point. Well, <laughs> my my parents, my Mexican parents, definitely brought us to the movies, yeah. like at all ages. And same with Gabe, that you saw it based on cultural. Uh, oh yeah, yeah my yeah. parents were super <laughs> excited to take me to this movie, and I saw it in DC. Mm. Uh, you know, and I, I, we probably saw it at, at a big opening, um, like a like a big event where all of the uh, Latinos in DC at that time went yeah. to see it at like the Uptown Theater or wherever it was playing. I was curious as to where you where it did play if you remembered, but it's probably tough. You know, and they probably thought it was a bigger deal than I did at the time mm-hmm. because I wasn't um, really conscious of, of the of the dearth of representation. You know, at at my age, I was mm-hmm. like, whatever, Menudo's out there. I'm watching Menudo. Yeah. I'm like, I'm watching Ghostbusters. I'm mm-hmm. not really paying attention to like uh, a lot of um, Spanish speaking, like, or re- not even that, but like seeing uh, Chicanos on TV mm-hmm. here. Um, but my this really resonated, I think, with like my parents' generation specifically because they 
came up in California and Texas um, during this era. Uh-huh. And uh, so for them, like seeing, uh, seeing this story uh, get put on uh, in a movie was like, oh, they remember like Richie Valens uh, and his plane crashing and they remember La Bamba coming out and how big a deal that was. Yeah. Yeah. And like that early, that early era of rock and rock is often seen as like, a, I was listening to a, I think it was a USA Latino episode about like the origins of, uh, of Latino or rock mm-hmm. music and how it's like seen as this dichotomy between white country music and uh, black R&B. But there's like all of these other strands that sort of pour into it as well. And like the Richie Valens story kind of shows, shows that mm-hmm. it was a lot more people contributing to it. From all over the world, you know, his backup band, The Silhouettes in This, I think is a is like a Benetton billboard of all all of the uh, working class communities in California at that time. But yeah, especially Southern California, like a black man, an Asian man, two, three Latinos. <laughs> yeah, there was like a Filipino thrown in there, a Japanese guy, like, and all of these were like the the farm workers. Yeah, and like the um, the blue collar people in these, like on that on the borderlands of these uh, sort of white suburban enclaves. Right. But for anybody that hasn't seen La Bamba, a very uh, brief synopsis of it is it is the story of uh, Ricardo Valenzuela, or Richie Valens, who was a 16-year-old teenager in 1957 when he uh, gets signed to a record label and um, gets catapulted into rock and roll fame and becomes a guitar god for two years, from 1957 and 1958. Nine when uh, when he dies unfortunately in a plane crash with um, Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper, uh, so that that was like ro- early that was the Johnny Rockets era uh, rock and roll gods <laughs> all, all dying all getting taken out at the same time before the sixties. Um, but the movie follows uh, his life and his family from their time as migrant workers through his fame. And his uh, rocky relationship with his brother Bob, who we've mentioned a little bit in this so far. We'll mention him yeah. a, a good oh. bit more. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about Bob a lot. Oh, Bob! But uh, this movie stars uh, Lou Diamond Phillips in his debut uh, breakout performance as Richie Valens in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing I love Lou Diamond Phillips from Young Guns. Young so. Guns. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Chavez. Oh, yes. Chavez. <laughs> The uh, the Native American knife knife throwing outlaw. <laughs> he was just ethnically ambiguous back then, right? That's right. Well, he, it's funny that he uh, plays a Mexican in this uh, Chicano because he is he's actually um, Filipino, yeah, mm-hmm. and Scotch Irish. The three main cast members, none, none of whom were Mexican: Elizabeth Pena and uh, uh, Bob's Bob's. Bob's Morales. Right. Uh, yeah. He is, I believe, yeah, Puerto Rican. She's Cuban, and Blue Diamond Phillips is Filipino. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I guess there there were not enough uh, Chicano actors. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> Out there, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I, I'd love to hear the casting process yeah. for this film. But yeah, well, how do? You, what did you guys? What's your relationship with Lou Diamond Phillips? You know, you remember him from movies you, it, other than this, or? Um, yeah, I remember him from Young Guns, like a movie I watched a lot too with my dad, um, and uh, like when I was reviewing this movie. I was like, I, I wasn't really thinking that much about him mm-hmm. as an actor because I like the supporting cast so much. Right. You know, like Rosanna DeSoto, who plays his mom. Yeah. And like Elizabeth Pena to me was just like the most 
beautiful woman. So like, sexy. Being like a little kid and being like, she is this, the prettiest person I've ever seen. Oh, we'll you talk know? about her then. Yeah. I lo- <laughs> by the way, I love her. She's so hot in this movie. Oh, and she's I, so good. Elizabeth Pena in the 80s was like perfect. Uh, rest in peace. She passed away in 2014 oh, from uh, cirrhosis of the liver. It's tough being an actor out here. But uh, she... Um, what else was she in? She was in Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Oh, that's right. She was the maid. Was she in Blue Steel? Yes. I'm going to say yes and to that. <laughs> but I don't remember Blue Steel. I do remember Down and Out in Beverly Hills because I would watch that a lot with my parents. And they loved her performance. As We loved any time there was like a Latino. Oh, yeah. It didn't yeah, matter yeah, yeah. Uh, whether they were in like the worst role in the film. It didn't matter if they were the maid. It didn't matter. Like my, my parents would be like, oh, look. Yeah. Like just excited. <laughs> To see that, so yeah. and then I loved her in uh, Rush Hour. Oh, she has a Rush Hour! She's got the cool Peter Pan uh, haircut in that. She's oh, that's real, right. Real short hair in Rush Hour. Down and Out in Beverly Hills is a great movie. Yeah, that's another one we should think about. Um, but uh, and then Isai Morales. Yeah, yeah. Bob. 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 Uh huh. Best known for uh, NYPD Blue, I think. That's right. That's yep. right. Well, I think people. I know him. I know him from La Bamba. <laughs> yeah, La Bamba because because he's the he's the most memeable character in this. Like he's oh, like yeah. Richie. Yeah. You know, he's Very got dramatic. all the best lines. And anytime like there's a sibling rivalry in my house, we always <laughs> uh, make we always laugh and be like, "Your mom always liked you better than me." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is like we're just quoting or like re reappropriating the uh, Bob's monologues in this movie. The discussion about Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve. So uh, yeah, so Isai Morales is playing. Uh, he's playing Bob, and um, he's Richie's older brother. Uh, he's an ex-con, and he he rides on a Harley. He's got a leather jacket, and he, he's he's like straight out of the Wild Ones. Mm. You know, yeah. he's like the greaser, and uh, he's he he's very macho. But um, all of his macho bravado is hollow because he never had a father. Yeah, he's a very he's like yeah tough on the outside. Yeah, he's like a, he's like a cookie you put in the microwave. <laughs> I like I you know um, it's interesting because I've never really talked about uh, this movie with a lot of people, but like I have always thought that like and I've seen a lot of movies and I feel like uh, Bob to me is one of the most likable awful people you know (laughs) he's like like he tries so hard you know he's like when he's like i'm gonna get you guys out of this shithole you know and he does but then at the same time he takes rosie's virginity it's like like you know he's so good and so bad (laughs) at the at like within exactly he's like a switchblade or like a like it's a double-edged sword everything that he does you you nailed it because the very first scene is him driving to a uh, migrant worker camp and i'm watching this movie with amber and she's like wait is why are they speaking english where is this taking place because she assumed within the first scene that they were somewhere in latin america yeah and i was like no this is in the u.s this is like (laughs) in the valley san San fernando (laughs) san fernando no they were actually northern california in the very beginning i was getting like a a very cesar chavez biopic (laughs) vibe from the very beginning Right, and I was like, "Am I watching the right movie?" And I was, but I was like, "This is not a third world country. This is like, hap- this is happening right here in the U.S. And it's not very far from one of the major cities, so either San Jose or Los Angeles." So Bob rolls into this migrant camp. How terrible would it be to be a migrant worker? <laughs> oh, You're just like taking a shower in a little 
like wooden cubicles yeah with uh unisex basically unisex showering with like little kids in the water tower above you throwing rocks and mud at you and laughing yeah. at your just, naked body yeah just watching watching you shower <laughs> It's just a shining example of uh, yeah. the way this country was built, the backs of uh, immigrant and first-generation uh, workers. <laughs> that's, that's right. And you know what? None of those kids had allergies, though. I'll tell you that. If you're... They, were too, they couldn't <laughs> afford right. allergies, Gabe. <laughs> that's right. No EpiPens. If you're in those unsanitary conditions, your immune system bucks up. Yeah. Um, so, so Bob rolls into this camp, and like uh, Rosie, you're thinking, okay, Rosie's going to be with uh, Richie. Because they're hanging out. Yeah. And yeah. he immediately... And they kind of were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, that's yours? Let me handle that. <laughs> yeah. Well, she made it no secret, I don't think, from the first second she saw him. Yeah. There was an attraction there. And the migrant camps are so bad that Rosie, who's not related to the Valenzuela family, is willing to just hop on the back of Bob's motorcycle after a one-night tryst. Yeah. And just abandon her, her what may be family. And... Yeah. You know, Rosa. Uh, yeah, stable work environment. Oh, that yeah. was her dad, I think. That was kind of like he looked like a puppy that you like. You're like hiding like pepperoni from, and he keeps looking, and you keep taking it away from him. He's like, she's leaving. She's not leaving. She's leaving. She's not leaving. Yeah, good job, man. Well, I guess she made the right choice. She she became part of history. Yeah, hopping on that bicycle, mm-hmm. motorcycle. I mean, that is a great point, though. That he is a very uh, Bob's character is a very likable woman beating quasi rapist uh, that you actually don't hate for some reason. Yeah, there's like. Very, uh, uh, Tough line to. When I rewatched it last year, um, like Bam did like a outdoor music series, which I probably could have told them, "Don't show this outside. This is not like a a fun outdoor movie to show in Fort Greene," um, because <laughs> he does. Bob does scream. Uh, I almost have to rape her to have sex with her, and you're just like, "This is not a family." Like, people are walk like families are walking. You know, it's funny because it is a family movie and it's not. And it's a not. Family movie. Yes. Because I saw this. This was something that my family they took me to see it. Yeah. We had the soundtrack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we and and I said I saw it once. I pro- it was on TV a couple times, and my parents like we we laugh about this yeah. movie. We, Bob is the character that you remember and that you laugh at, or yeah. like talk about. Like we're talking about Bob right now. Yeah. You know, even though within the framework of today and even then he, he's always been like problematic yeah but i think the way that luis valdez um was writing this and like writing about the chicano experience was this uh like the cycles of abuse is something to think about and like what turns people into why is bob bad like bob wasn't born yeah bad he's yeah. like he, he they they bring up the fact that he's next con and that his mother is the one that uh, that uh, turned him in. Yeah, yeah. So like, she's yeah, that's the, right. She's the reason. His his mom, his family's the reason that he was incarcerated. He resents uh, his his younger brother, who's talented, because his younger brother had a dad, Steve. Mm-hmm. So Richie had a dad who was also a Chicano, but a World War Two vet. Mm-hmm. So like that right there, you're seeing like, okay, so we had like a hard ass military stepdad who didn't love him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so it's not to excuse, but it's to uh, illustrate why someone might be the way that they are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, I think Bob is also a half brother. Yeah. Which is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Because I have a half-older sister, and so I have a lot of those, like, 
uh, weird relationship issues too. Uh, I mean, her and I don't speak anymore, if that is any indication. Um, but she was definitely like the Bob, and I am the Richie Valens. I'm <laughs> 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 um, sorry, that did not come out right. I mean, Bob definitely had some conflicted feelings about Richie. I mean, he, he ultimately loved him very much. Yeah, because he, even though, like, apparent. Bob was incarcerated by, like, you know, he still went back and was like, I got to get mom out of this thing. You know, he's still trying to, like, be the good son, you know. But... Yeah, I mean, you're seeing, like, so so this film both idealizes uh, or shows the value of family within this community because no matter if they're, like, abusive towards each other, they fight with each other. They're not necessarily good to each other, but um, there's this uh, support. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like constantly coming back together to support, uh, even if their own uh, like psychological problems are causing self sabotage. Yeah, they they're trying. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, and like that's why. So so Richie, I, like he is, he's like the perfect white knight son Mm -hmm. in this movie Mm -hmm. that's like what like they they paint him to be such a good person he's 16 years old when we start this he um is respectful of his mother Mm -hmm. he's respectful of rosie uh he is uh he like sings songs to the little kids yeah (laughs) he takes care of his younger brothers and sisters at breakfast yeah um he irons his pants so Mm -hmm. he's got like this the crease self-worth you know where he yeah. wants to take care of how he looks and he's always carrying his guitar around with him so you know he's he's like he's singularly dedicated mm-hmm. to um i don't know to being like both sweet and excellent in everything he does mm-hmm. and uh and he's very chaste he's got his relationships yeah his romantic <laughs> relationships are very uh very sweet mm-hmm. they're they're all they're pg-13 in a rated r movie Mm-hmm. You know, and that I think all contrasts with Bob. Yeah, was wait was this rated R? No. Oh, what okay. was it? Wow, it should have been. Yeah, that is a great question that we should we but should I have also, the answer to. I also think you know, like he died so young, it's crazy. Like young. you could you couldn't write him any other way. Like you know, he's an angel now. <laughs> like you know, like you can't like he died when he was seventeen. You can't be like, oh well, you know. He stole, you know, or right. whatever. Like, he lied to his mom, you know. It's like, uh, no, like, he's... He was the good son. Yeah. Uh, it was PG-13. Um, wow, PG-13 and it felt like it. was uh, you know, much more grown up back then. It was, right? Yeah. Than it is now. Well, PG-13 started because of um, Spielberg yeah, movies. Yeah, right. We talked about that in Poltergeist. He did. He was directly responsible. Yeah. Um, so they're like, okay, we're going to have like light, we're going to have light domestic abuse in this. So we'll make it PG 13, <laughs> but the kids are going to love La Bamba. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure that they can all come into the theater. Yeah. So I have a couple of questions about the California Chicano accent, which I love. And some of the, the words, there's a little bit of an up, up talk at the end. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you guys going over to the flower? Um, it's, uh, I, some of the words were lost on me, like carnal, mijo, which are terms of endearment. Oh, yeah. Carnal means... Is that cousin? It just means like bro. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Miho like means what? Because I've heard you use Miho. My son. My son. My son. Iho, but then me. Oh, Iho, I gotcha. So it's just a smush, a mashup. Gotcha. Uh, side, side story. When uh, I went to Italy in college, I like gained a bunch of weight because I ate, ate a lot. Sure. You know? Carb and loading. I, and I uh, took a picture and I, I, like, I sent one of the pictures to my parents and my dad was like, 
Oh, did Miha gain weight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Dad, I did. Wow, it didn't sound, that sounded like a rhetorical question from your <laughs> yeah. father. A love stab. That's how, He's yeah. hugging you and shanking you at the I same know. time with his words. With soft belly. It is a mean. It's a meaner sense of humor too, which I I really liked. Um, one one note I had for this, and we can hop to it real quick. Is like they, they, they the family had no conflict resolution skills. Like <laughs> at no point did they learn how to de-escalate. <laughs> no, no, it was straight to screaming and just like throwing stuff and like banging on the windows. Like oh god. And I, I can identify with that from half of my family. Yes, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but it's a meaner, it's just like a meaner uh, communication style. Yeah. It's more direct. <laughs> yeah. Like there's just, no love loss, yeah. it's just frank and Like nature. you can literally just like smack somebody upside the head and be like, hey idiot, yeah. why'd you do that dummy? <laughs> <So> stupid. <laughs> yeah. Don't be so dumb, why do you think you're going to, hey what's up Mr. Big Shot? <laughs> What makes you think you could be a rock star? Oh God! <laughs> I can I can draw pictures too. Oh, that's right, Buzz Buzzer. Hey, look, man, yo, these are these are original prints of Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> hey, stupid! <laughs> that's garbage. What are you gonna do with that? <laughs> Shut up! I'm gonna enter a contest. I want five hundred dollars. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. In art classes. I know. I like I like that scene that too more. because that's the where he's like uh, he's like. Dipping uh, a carrot or a leaf in like beer or tequila and feeding it to the <laughs> rabbit, <laughs> and then he gets frustrated with something and just slams the door on the rabbit. I actually had rabbits at a young age, and I had a cage like that in my backyard in DC. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and I stick my finger in, and it gnawed on it. And I've had a weird uh, association with rabbits Dude, ever since. Rabbits are rats with big ears. Really, they're like adorable That's rats. So and they don't, you cannot house train them. They don't they, have a lot of uh, set common sense. No, loyalty, they just, actually. Cocoa Puffs, they just poop out little pellets <laughs> all day long. Right? Have you had rabbits? There no. Are, mm-hmm. No. We had, there was one in my, my classroom in kindergarten, and we'd have nap time, and we'd put the mats out, and then little kids would flick the, the, the rabbit poop pellets. Uh, <laughs> Like mini golf style, <laughs> flick them across the room into snoring kids' mouths. Oh God! <laughs> so bored. That's right. So it's I didn't sleep. Dude, I didn't sleep. It made it, it in the, in any prison movie where like they first get to jail and they have to li- they're they're in like a big gymnasium with um, bunk beds. That's what sleep time in kindergarten felt like when we had the rabbit in the room because I knew <laughs> that like if I closed my eyes, it'd be a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> poop right in the mouth that's right yeah so so richie's family leaves obviously uh, to move to southern california where there's a little more opportunity yeah um more work available i think uh they moved to the san fernando valley specifically which is now known as the the hub of the porn industry <laughs> um, <laughs> this was in its more innocent days yeah and uh and Richie transitions seamlessly back into a uh, school. Yeah. Now he's just integrated into high school. Yeah. A very white, uh, antiseptic uh, high school. And I don't know. I feel like that could have been an area where there was more. They could have developed that storyline a little bit more. Yeah. Like what, what happens to a, the child of migrant workers when they go to high school. Yeah. He didn't seem to have any trouble like in- integrating in there, dating a white girl, Donna. Yeah. Wrote well, a song yeah, about. her parents hated it, but Donna was very woke for her time. She was she was down with it. She didn't see color apparently. <laughs> there was also like whenever her dad sees Donna and Richie walking, 
this has happened in a couple of other movies. Uh, he goes like, oh, is is he Italian? He's um, an Italian specifically, <laughs> yeah. Because that also happened in Selena. And then also like in The Wedding Planner, Jennifer <laughs> Lopez is supposed to be uh, Italian. And, and she can't just be Puerto Rican for some reason. Right. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Italian, secondly, the passable light shade of brown yeah. that's uh, <laughs> that super white people can get along with. Yeah. Well, you know, if she was Puerto Rican, she wouldn't be a foreigner. That's true, <laughs> technically, but not to be a United States citizen. Italian right. makes it a little bit more exotic. Definitely. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it's pomelo. Yes. Uh, and yeah, man, Southern California, they're there. Um, Richie, he auditions uh, with the silhouettes. And how fun, man, that these this was a time before DJs. So yeah. you actually had to get together with a crew of people who all had instruments. Garage rock. And, uh, and Rudy, what's his last name? Rudy, he's the worst. The big, Castro. Castro. Fuck <laughs> Rudy Castro. No, Woody. Was he was the name. lead singer? Yes, he okay. was, of the Silhouettes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's the multicultural band mm-hmm. that uh, they're playing garage rock. I didn't know what garage rock. I mean, yeah, I've heard the term before, but I didn't realize, oh, like kids. Actual just, garage. Yeah. That's what these people did. You just weren't good enough for anyone to want to hear you indoors. So yeah. they were just like, you go outside and make that noise. In a garage. Yeah. And uh, my favorite scene is Richie's first uh, real performance. The Cowboy Palace? Hell yeah. Which is a real bar, still uh, functioning. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Named the Cowboy Palace. And his mom got him that, that gig. Van Nuys. How cool. Yeah. And Bob on drums, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He picked up drums really fast. I was going to say, I wrote down, I was like, it apparently takes no actual technical skill. You just have to show some initiative and show up and you can be play decent drums. Like, drummers must find that scene really insulting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Tito Puente is watching this and he's like, what? Deals, like, that, well, that's all it takes? You just hand My an X con two drumsticks and he's like, figure it out. I put in way too much work. <laughs> um, yeah. So he has a he has a meteoric rise. That's why I kind of didn't mind the pacing of the film, where like you you know like they definitely could have gone into more of the assimilation of him into the the school system there and how, how that worked, being like an ethnic minority. But this movie, I mean, his timeline he had like a meteoric rise into stardom. Yeah, it was he died so fast. Almost a year later. I mean, seventeen years old. That's that's a crazy age to think about somebody dying. Yeah. Um, so he has a lot of hits. Early. Yeah, I mean, three huge ones. Yeah. Um, and still playing weird little shows, but I guess that was the music scene back then, you know. This is this is before this is pre nineteen sixty even. So if you weren't like Elvis, you weren't really selling out major you know venues. So they were playing like halls and you know American Legion spots like that. even like the Buddy Hollies who all had hit records were playing small little venues well, and his, touring in Iowa. His gig at the VFW, mm. which uh, that. That was like a. Uh, I wrote that down as one of my sort of favorite moments in this. But uh, how how cool that his mother it, like gets on the like uh, ice cream truck. <laughs> Ricardo oh, Valenzuela great. and his flying guitar. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and uh, so she's like getting the people out, you know, uh-huh. with the ice cream truck. Yeah. So cool. And at the same time, Bob is out there <laughs> God, with Bob. his Sons of Anarchy, Hell's Angels. <laughs> And they're all driving around. Would it be Mijos de Anarchy? And he, I think he even says, like, put the... Mijos of Anarchy is dope. (laughs) But I think Bob even tells, like, all of his, like, biker friends, like, put these, like, in every liquor store, every bar, like, every bad place. 
to bring all the worst people to my little brother's concert. And yet he is the worst person that shows up at his brother's concert by far. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about with that self-sabotage. He's literally always halfway in between crying and telling his life story and thro- or throwing a punch. But uh, but that's a, that was a great scene, too, to see like yeah. the roots of early rock, you know, um, where like kids are in the audience. And then you also have the high school kids, and you also have like the vatos from the neighborhood. Yeah, everybody got the Hell's Angels. Oh God! And Music. the VFW people, like the you know vets coming back from the war. Yeah, music's always been the great unifier. I was going to ask, like, do you think rock and roll is like the, the 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 number one American art form that sort of unified the rest, of, like globally, everyone else? Like, I feel like that that's probably the one. Um, or at least American, pure American art form that spread across the globe and united everyone more than anything else did. So I know jazz is a pure American art form. Technically, the blues are as well, but I don't think it spread like wildfire the way rock and roll did and the way like other people were playing that music, like to where like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones went to like global international fame. Um, just as an art form, I think that that's pretty interesting to point out, like that. Rock and roll did a good job of... Uh... Look, America number one, that's all I have to yeah. say. And uh, def- <laughs> rock is definitely part of that America number one, and you can't have rock without La Bamba. I mean, And exactly. so you can't have rock being a number one viral global export from the U.S. without our Chicano uh, brothers here making these tunes. I mean, I think it started the, the wave of everyone sweating American pop culture. Yeah, that's right. It started with people like Elvis. Yeah, who who was co-opting? Uh, I well, I don't know who Elvis specifically stole his style from. Lots of people in the Delta. Yeah, <laughs> but so um, did the Rolling Stones and the. Uh, well, Led the Rolling Zeppelin. Stones were listening to Richie Valens' albums. Sure. Yeah, and you know uh, Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. Lots of other people. The Beatles were huge Elvis fans. I think so. A lot of those. Elvis was sort of the pinnacle. Of uh, that 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 culture at the time, he broke Elvis broke in 1953. Yeah. So uh, and Richie Valens broke in 57. Yeah, 57. So four years. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. You know, thinking about how fast the 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 culture evolved, mm-hmm. the music scene. That's pretty right. Mind blowing. Um, do you have any scenes in this that stuck out to you that you really liked? Um. I like the conversation, which I think was, you know, a little uh, dramatic for effect, obviously, between uh, Richie and his brother, the final phone call he makes before, oh they, before he gets on the plane. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good scene. It's hey, kind of tough. Why don't you come out and finish out the rest of the tour with me in Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I could really use some family around. And I'm just like, oh, God. We're still brothers, ain't we? <laughs> you don't sound so good. I, do... <clears throat> I mean, I'm betting that that I'm conversation fine. didn't happen that way. <laughs> But, I mean, what did he say? Stars don't fall out of the sky was a quote from the movie. Um, <laughs> and apparently they do in, in re- very l- large numbers. <laughs> There's been so many musician deaths by airplane. That oh, it's, God. I researched it. I mean, Aaliyah, Leonard Skinner, three members of them, John Denver, Patsy Cline, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Randy Rhodes. Um, it's, that's, a, that's a lot, if you think about yeah. it. It's such a small sect of humanity. Um, so I guess that the the moral is don't uh, don't fly, don't fly chartered tiny little planes if you're a rock and roll star. But um, he also had like uh, like in the beginning they show like his nightmares, um, why he was so afraid of flying, which is why like his death by crazy story. you know uh, you know 
airplane or whatever. Yeah. Um, like he was, he was at his grandfather's funeral, I think. And that was like the same day that like some crazy uh, accident happened and two planes in the sky like crashed into his school playground and a bunch of his friends were dead. And so they just keep bringing back like that scene of like, don't close your, like he can't sleep, you know. It's terrifying. It's just. Yeah. This huge fear of flying. Two planes crashed into one another and the, the, the debris fell and killed school children at the, on the playground. Like his friends. Which is, yeah. I mean, While they were playing basketball. What are the odds? I mean, a lot And of like kids. that one, like the oh, one yeah, kid, the he's like, ah, you know, I'm always like, ah, oh, God. Like that's my new nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite, uh, my favorite scene was uh, Richie getting in touch with his, his Mexican roots Going back to the motherland, you know, going to the going on a birthright trip to Tijuana. Oh, this, to oh get right. laid. That's a great scene. <laughs> he gets laid, gets a tattoo, goes to see a healer, eats some rattlesnake. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, before that, he was making songs like Donna. You know, yeah. he was he was doing a white voice. Well, interracial love. Yeah, yeah. Changing his name. Yeah, he was he was totally assimilated. Before you know, because before that, in this movie, there's also this like uh, sort of. Uh, uh, Identity comes up a lot where, like, um, his uh, agent, his manager tries to speak to him in Spanish the first time he meets him. Oh, my God. I I love it when people do that to me. I'm just like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Like, it's fine. (laughs) And it's like, uh, you know, just because you're from Mexico, like, you you don't know Spanish if you didn't go to school, like, learning it. Right. Like, your family didn't teach it to you. So he was technically first generation in this he was, film? He was born, I think he was he was born in the US. Yeah, okay. yeah, he's American. He's American, you know. He's just brown. He's uh and his his mom was a uh, Yaqui Indian mm. as well. Uh-huh. Oh, that's right. Full-blooded. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also a thing uh <laughs> Chicanos will say. They'll always um, you know, uh harken back to their Indian roots, yep. right? <laughs> you know. But then a lot of you know, part of part of it is like uh uh, Mexico was, you know, Texas and California and Arizona and New Mexico and Colorado were all Mexico at right. one point. So, um, you know, the border kind of like moved, and those you, you can you can uh, claim your your uh, roots to the land going back further than the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still being in the Southwest. I love the way uh, pre-cartel Tijuana looked. So wholesome. <laughs> it looked like the south of the border from the Carolinas that you see when you're driving south, you know, from yeah. wherever, and you get to that weird area that has a, like got a sombrero on it, and you can shop for terrible items. Uh, and fireworks. And this was, what a time, you know. Uh, Bob lets us know that if you want to just uh, French kiss a prostitute, it's totally cool. And... I wrote down the prostitutes kissed on the mouth back then. Yeah. Down there. What a thing. What a yeah. What All a, right. Interesting. Tijuana, that scene could have easily become, uh, like, from dusk till dawn. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I'm like, why does this brothel have a band? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But it's cool that it did. I'm like, what a classy place. And it's Los Lobos on stage. Los Lobos who did all the the music and all the singing for Richie Valens, for Lou Diamond Phillips in the the film. Like, he didn't sing a lick. You can tell that he didn't sing. Oh, yeah. You can totally tell. It Um, it immediately is 80-yard when he opens his mouth. But uh, it's so cool to see. I like this scene because you see him um, getting in touch with like uh, the the folk traditions of uh, Mexico, and he like he uh, loves La Bamba. He goes he goes up to the stage and starts finger picking it and uh, learning it, learning the chords while watching Los Lobos. Then he ha- gets a hangover. He wakes up with a flying guitar tattoo, and uh, that shaman. 
You know? <laughs> yeah. That shaman is the coolest, second coolest character in this movie. He's like, like ripping the, the, the snake oh, yeah. skin off and yeah. just like in that sun and he's just like. You know, because life is a dream. Life is a snake, he said. <laughs> and then when you wake up, when you die, you wake up. Yeah. You shed, what? You shed your skin and yeah, that's like a rebirth. And that's where mantra. he gets that um, sort of talisman uh, that's supposed to help him uh, sleep better and sort of protect him from like these weird flying nightmares. Yeah. And then he wears throughout the rest of the movie until... That shaman was basically like on like a ayahuasca drip. It, it, it reminded me of my, uh, my trip to Ecuador when I did ayahuasca oh, with right. a shaman <laughs> named Don Manuel. And if you want to hear that story, you can download my album, <laughs> Risky Behavior, now on 800 Pound Gorilla Records. Um, so how's uh, that for a plug? That's a, that's a perfect plug. We're killing it into the transition and segue game so far. Saddest scene in the movie. Saddest scene? Yeah. For me? Oh, is that a question? Well, it's a, it's a reality. There's a sad scene in this movie. There's a lot of them, I think. There's, There's a, a lot, lot of them. I don't well, like when he changes his name. Yeah. From Richie uh, Ricardo Val- Valenzuela. It's just the whitewashing. Yeah. I think that that happened with everybody in show business. Everybody. There's people that you would never expect. Yeah, everybody, like every uh, comedian who has a name like um, like Johnny White. Yeah, of Like course. their real name was like Heschel uh, <laughs> yeah. Goldenbergenstein. I mean, another prominent guitarist that did that was uh, Richard Mansour, who people better known as Dick Dale, who was a Lebanese-Polish guitar player. The king of surf rock was a uh, Lebanese-Polish person from Massachusetts. <laughs> Huh. It's best known for playing hard, hard, you know. Yeah, but but and then you listen to his music and you just think of like uh, Aryans surfing on Huntington and Huntington Beach. Yeah, <laughs> but his music sounds. If you listen to it, it sounds very Middle Eastern influenced, honestly. Yeah, hmm. but I mean, they did that all the time. Alice Island. If your name was Rossetti, your your name is Ross now. They were just trying to homo- sure. homogenize the, the entire. Uh... I had a Greek great grandfather come uh, through Ellis Island, and oh. his last name was like Angianopolis, and they were like. Cool, your name is now John Poulos. There you go, Poulos. Yeah, they just yeah. cut... Yeah, you'll see that with a lot of uh, uh, Greeks who have been here for a while. Yeah. Poulos is just like the last um, third of the names. My they gr- just cut yeah. that. Well, Greek names are a whole different... I mean, that's a, that's I mean, a lot. That's a, a lot to process. It is an alphabet scramble. My grandparents came in through Ellis Island as well, and they were allowed to keep their name somehow. Yeah. yeah. Money. Yeah. Money, maybe. Yeah, they, they probably had a money belt on with like lots, just like a, a, ton, a stack of dinars. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my, the scene that made me, I, I think about all the time is when Bob uh, starts tearing up his artwork. Oh, Bob! Oh, and just a drunken hissy fit. What happens to a dream deferred? Dream deferred. Yo, dude, you know, because he's out there, he's striving. Dream fail. Bob, Bob to me seems like the real, the realistic, uh, what like it is for ninety percent of of uh, the working class, <laughs> ex-convict immigrants. Yeah, you know, you're just trying to make it, and like everything's against you, and you're like, oh, but I started drawing, and they're like, shut up, stupid. And you're like, oh, I guess I'll just drink again and tear up my art because what's the point? Look, I can draw. <laughs> yeah, not good enough. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my brother's better at everything. My brother had a real dad. Um, I like uh, some of the saddest scenes to me are well there's a couple there's one where Donna gets like a brand new car from her dad and she sees Richie walking home to his house 
And then she's like, hey, what's up? Like, is this your house? I'll, 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 do you live in this neighborhood? I'll take you home. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm just walking, you know. And then he's like, let's just go for a drive. Um, and then whenever Rosie, like, uh, I mean, she gets in a lot, uh, a lot of fights in this. But like the one scene where she just was like screaming at Bob, she's like, I didn't know my life would be like this, you know, like yeah. just awful, just like a terrible life living in that little teeny tiny trailer. And like uh, Bob is just an awful person. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously whenever uh, Connie, Richie's mom, finds out about, uh, you know, his death and like Bob just sees her and she's like in her like, you know, brand new house that with the washer and dryer that Richie got her. And she's like, you know, has, is doing the laundry and she's just like, oh, Richie, no, why am I Richie? And I'm always just like, oh God, it's oh, too much. I was waiting for her to say, he, the Lord took the wrong one. She basically kind of did. She oh, goes, no, why every... Richie? And then she would say, why Richie, Bob? Like she was like hinting that she was like, why Richie? Why my Richie, Bob? She kept saying that. I thought that was really funny. He's like, I'll stop with his stellar uh, overacting. Uh, the real Bob Morales, he just passed away. He just passed away. Oh, at 81 years life. old. Yeah. That's a good life. And uh, yeah, there was a, a little mini uh, tribute to him in Ramescla. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. I, I looked him up, and you know he he carried he was also a rocker, a musician still, and he carried on his brother's legacy and was, you know, proudly carrying the torch for uh, for Richie. I don't know how I don't know if he was that bad in real life, yeah, or if they yeah. made him that way in the movie, or if he watched the movie and then was like, hey, He's you like... know, I got to do some serious <laughs> reflecting. Exactly. <laughs> I should um, really change my ways. There's also reflecting. the scene too where it's like the big Christmas party and Richie come like came home from tour and like Bob had been sober for a little while and then they get in this fight and then like he rips off the talisman and they both just like look at each other like oh no like this is bad uh and then you know Bob basically killed his brother <laughs> yeah yo man because you can't mess with that shaman magic really also oh the, 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 yeah the talisman right one thing that was crazy was that when they're with the with the shaman Bob tells Richie, hey, this guy's kind of like my guide, my spiritual guide. And I'm like, he is the worst spiritual guide. And you're like, what? <laughs> is he okay? Has he greenlit everything you've been doing in this movie? How much do you tell him? Really He's looking for father love in all of the wrong places, basically. Oh, yeah. I was, I was going to ask. Go Rattlesnake ahead. Bandana Man oh. is not your father. Yeah. The dead giveaway, the rattlesnake bandana and him gutting. Vipers in front of you. I was going to ask if you guys thought that Richie in some way manifested his own death by constantly thinking about plane crashes. Like, if you think Uh, something long enough, it's probably going to happen. I did think about that. I thought, dude, that's bad. It's like, you know, if you read The Secret, this is bad juju, baby. Stop (laughs) talking about that. You're putting it out there, dude, way too much. Yeah, you just got to put out what you really want. Like, you should have just been like, baby, I'm going to, I'm going to live forever. Yeah. I'm going to fly so many places safely. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a duet with Nat King Cole in Spanish. That's right. That's what Did the world missed. No. Oh. <laughs> but there was a scene where uh, the Joe, Joe Pontiliano, mm-hmm. he says, uh, Richie, the, the manager, he goes, you right. can't sing a song in Spanish. And he goes, why not? Nat King Cole did. So. It's too ethnic. So, yeah. Uh, and we forgot to mention him. Joey Pants is in this movie. Ralphie Cifaretti. Ralph, Ralphie Cifaretto, yep. Yeah, he's he's doing it. 
Uh, I loved him in this film. That actor always plays a bad guy, mm-hmm. but this was like a w- one time where he just did, did a turn as sort of like a maybe the best manager that he could have been. Like yeah. a good dude. Yeah. Because they could have written him as like another guy exploiting and screwing an artist, mm-hmm. but... He's just a, a proudly bald producer. Yeah. Yeah, like, the the his acting was really, like, sweetly genuine. Yeah, he's a... That guy's a... He's a talented actor. Like he can't, he Joey kind of Pants. delivered his lines as of like, I have bad news for you, but I'm gonna give it to you in a really good way. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to change your name to Jeff Jeffries. Like, you gotta change your name. Yeah. <laughs> to you what? Just gotta Ricky do it. V. And when I was a little kid too, I would always be like, What if like Connie and the manager got together? <laughs> Wouldn't that be cute? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the that's the oh man. Yeah, you can't make a sequel, but. That would have been the spinoff. Yeah. I love the soundtrack. Um, these were all songs that I could hear the California Raisins singing. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. any middle school dance. Yeah. And like I remember when I worked at Johnny Rockets, I would hear some of these songs playing. You know, anytime I hear the songs in this movie, I just want a malted vanilla milkshake and a, and a cheeseburger. And, uh, and it was cool to, to like reflect and look back on the, the idea that there was just like a, a Spanish rock song this yeah. early on, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, like, oh, La Bamba was pretty revolutionary. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It still blows my mind that he was only like 16 years old. Like, it's insane. Yeah. You know? Um, but in my research, there actually is a La Bamba too, um, which is... <laughs> the electric La Bamba Lou. It's just gross. <laughs> uh, I feel like someone was trying really, really hard because either they really loved this movie so much and they really wanted there to be a La Bamba too. So this film is on Vimeo? It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, it comes up on the IMDb page. Yeah. And it's like set in hell and like uh, everyone's there, like Donna and everything. Um, I had to stop reading the synopsis because I just was feeling so upset um, because I felt like whoever this person, uh, they, they were just coming at it like so hard and just... Uh, the wrong way and I just was like okay there's a La Bamba 2 out there somebody made it and I don't need to know any more about it wait so <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richie Valens goes to hell um, it's set in hell I don't remember if he goes to hell I mean if he, is he there <laughs> is he there in the movie well I, I mean I, I didn't see it oh man that's... I was just reading a tiny this sounds like if, if people want to make this money on uh, on a uh... Venmo yeah. at Gabriel hyphen Pacheco, um, <laughs> and we reach uh, four hundred dollars um, through that. We will do an after dark <laughs> review. The three of us will get together. I feel like you should never give out your personal email or public phone numbers, but you can always give out your Venmo always. account information because the worst thing that can happen is someone accidentally sends you money. It's like yeah. ga- it's at <laughs> Gabriel hyphen Pacheco. <laughs> So uh, do that, and we will. Like I'm telling you, if we get four hundred dollars, we you will hear the La Bamba Two review coming from Eat, Pray, Judge I with Melissa Rocha it. back on Mike Three. God damn it! Yes, I'll yes. do it. Melissa Dash Rocha Dash Two. Yes, <laughs> I mean that's kind of what we did before. I mean, staying a lot was basically <laughs> Tony Monero goes to hell. <laughs> it's so sweaty down there. Yeah, um, and and another thing is like. Uh, I keep hearing that uh, that Latino. Whenever there's like Spanish in anything, I'm super excited to mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah. Like Netflix yeah. is now kind of acknowledging that with mm-hmm. like, you know, Narcos for for as an example. Mm-hmm. There's just like 
Oh, There's English God. speaking All and then it. Spanish speaking, and we're no longer in a place where people where it's oh it's going to be a turnoff, but like it's you're not going to lose audience by having Spanish right. uh, language, and but we've been having this argument forever because La Bamba was a hit in 1957, mm-hmm. so there could be Spanish language uh, mass media in this country for everyone, like. Every year. You know, right. Guantanamera came out. People love that shit. Oh, so good. Macarena. Dude, I, and you know what? <laughs> that, I think it was like the second Cypress Hill album. They had a song in Spanish rapping. I was like, oh, fan oh, for life. <laughs> Sublime. Oh, yes. I love them just because they did songs in Spanish. Yeah, sure. I was like, Why hell not? yeah, dude. Yeah, okay. Do it. Back what song did they do in Spanish? Uh, they, they, they did a couple. Okay. Yeah. I was never a big fan, but I believe you. Yeah, they, they had a couple songs in Spanish. Uh, uh, Beck's got songs in Spanish. Beck's album, Odelay. It's yeah. a term I heard thrown around a few times in this film. Whoa. Unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, we lost the rest of this recording. So you won't be able to hear our final thoughts on La Bamba. And it's breaking my heart that we cut Melissa Rocha off because she's one of my favorites. Such a funny performer and funny uh, comedian here in New York City. Uh, I definitely encourage you to follow her at Mel Side Ponytail on Instagram. And while we're at it, hey, we need your help. So uh, we'd love to hear what movies you want us to review. Just uh, slide into our DMs at the Eat, Pray, Judge podcast on Instagram. It's one word, Eat, Pray, Judge on Instagram. And uh, hopefully Gremlins won't uh, won't cause any malfunctions on the zoom next time we're recording so you'll get a full episode my apologies for uh for cutting this one short uh but we love you and uh you know tune in next week because we'll have another podcast another film to be determined at a later date i still got to talk to sammy about which one we're gonna watch next but in case you wanted to know we gave la bamba and collectively an 8 out of 10 guitar strings and uh, I love it now I'm inspired to go watch Selena and review that one alright everybody until next week this is Gabe Pacheco tuning out on Eat Pray Judge Eat,